Welcome, welcome to another all-new episode of Beckett Radio. I'm your host, Derek Ficken. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We got some great stuff going on uh, on Beckett Radio today, and I'm excited to get this going. We got our upcoming products and pricing, inside new releases with Topps, 2015 museum collection we have a great story with news around the hobby we're going to bring in mr brian fleischer and chris olds for that and we also have brian fleischer coming in to talk a little museum collection uh, for all you baseball nerds out there and we have a great interview with uh stephen laroche is is our hockey editor here at beckett media like i said all the time and uh we have a great interview with the sportsnet anchor uh in canada his name is ken reed and he has a really awesome book out called Hockey Card Stories, True Tales from Your Favorite Players. And I got this book, well, I got a preview of this book from Steven probably a couple weeks ago saying that it would be a great thing to have this guy on the show to just talk about hockey cards, uh, vintage, new, all that good stuff. So I decided it would really be fun and had him on. He did a great job. He has so much cool stuff to talk about the hobby as far as hockey collecting goes. So he's on with Steven. We have a little, I guess, conference uh, phone interview type of sorts because they're both in Canada. And, you know, obviously I'm here in Dallas. So we did all that good stuff here. So that'll be coming up here later on in the show. But let's start it off with upcoming products and pricing. Now, there's only a few products coming out this week, and one of those products has been getting pushed back, and that is Panini Prism Football. Panini Prism Football was supposed to come out on Wednesday, but it has been pushed back to this Friday the 3rd. Now, hopefully that's the last time they're going to push it back because we do have a case break here at Beckett Auctions that will be going on at 2 o'clock Central Time. So check out uh, cardworldtv.com slash Beckett Auctions. That should be it. Or just type in Beckett Auctions uh, in Twitter. We'll have a bunch of social media coverage as far as that goes. We also have Panini Hall of Fame 75 Years Baseball. That's coming out Wednesday, October 8th as well as Artifacts Hockey is going to jump out Wednesday the 8th. So definitely uh, check out your online price guides for the checklist and all that good stuff. As far as pricing goes, we only have a few products that are being priced or have been priced. Topps Heritage Miners Baseball, that is about to be done, so check your OPG for that. And uh, Flare Showcase Football, we broke a box of that on camera box busters with Justin Gruner and Chris Olds. And there were some pretty interesting finds in that. So yeah, pricing's done for both of those products. So you can check out Beckett.com, get your OPGs, and uh, yeah, just have a little fun with the pricing. All right, so next up, let's get rid of the upcoming products and pricing and talk about inside new releases. I brought in a guy who we're going to have on with Chris Olds. Uh, Brian Fleischer, he's the baseball, the baseball guy. The baseball. I don't, I don't know where that came from. The baseball <laughs> guy here at Beckett Media. What's up, Brian? How you doing, Derek? Let's talk about the product that we uh, we're going to showcase this week, and that is 2015 Topps Museum Collection. 2015 Topps Museum Collection, very popular among memorabilia collectors. Traditionally, a lot of cool memorabilia pieces, okay. oversized uh, jersey patches, uh, a lot of on-card autographs. Um, this year looks to be, you know, kind of, kind of just the same. kind of the same, and that's yeah. a good thing. Um, it's scheduled to arrive on uh, April first of twenty fifteen. Okay. Um, it's a four pack box, we believe. Yes. Uh, roughly two hundred dollars a box. I think it's five packs. Five packs. Five packs for 
cards. Okay. There's 20 cards. Okay. I think. Okay. Is yeah. that how it is? Yeah, it sounds about right. I'm, I'm not good at math. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, we know that each <laughs> box is going to include one autograph, one autograph relic, one quad relic, one jumbo relic. Whoa. And that has kind of been the norm. Uh, and see, so I do like jumbo relics, and we did a new story. Well, I didn't do a new story, but Chris Olds did a new story about this product, and it's on Beckett.com slash news. Uh, so check that out for all your newsworthy opinions. Yeah, he's uh, got some cool images. <laughs> There's some cool images, and the image I want to talk about was the Griffey card. Yeah, it looks like a big, a good portion of the back nameplate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a regular size card, if that's going to be one of those jumbo box topper I, type I was things. just going to say, do you think they might include sometime in the future a jumbo box topper of the whole nameplate of I want to say they've done that in museum collection. I wanna, I've want i seen a Brandon Belt, I believe, okay. kind of the smaller name yeah. guys. But like literally the whole entire nameplate. Yeah, nothing I think that's what it was. I think, like that. That, I think yeah. that's what it was. That I would pay some money for, especially if it was like Brandon Bell or a giant. No one cares about Brandon Bell. Really? So because no, I'm just kidding. Really it probably sold for do. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems typical product. I think I read that nothing is higher than 399 copies. Correct. And it looks like it'll have the same that you know 100 card base set with red yeah. blue green copper parallels all that good stuff. um you know if it's not broken don't fix it so yeah why not i mean you know 200 i don't know 200 bucks that's a lot of money so it, it's got to deliver yeah but you know with with tops you know they will yeah but it, when you have cool cards like this griffy if you, you go to beckett.com slash news and take a look at it it's pretty sweet um you've got to have you got to be able to pay for it somehow exactly these cards to these really cool barrel and yeah. cool jumbo patch cards aren't cheap to make yeah. so unfortunately some packs will have you know the i don't know I was trying I, yeah, the I brandon belt the brandon belt autograph hey man <laughs> you might have the brandon belt autograph number to you know 325 yeah. or something in, in one of the packs but that's I'll okay because it. in the next pack you could have this awesome griffy yeah. you know jumbo patch card so. yeah you know it, it's funny and we can go off on another tangent about this but we won't um because we're busy but it's funny to see how people get so upset and it's like oh i can't believe i got the spare well what do you expect i mean they gotta they gotta put an equal amount of guys you know they gotta i guess make their money and make it worth something yeah you know so it is what it is but i mean if you get a real nice pull with like the griffey or, or, or something like that, that that'd be pretty sweet yeah um but yeah so april 1st 2015 april 1st, there's no checklist yet but uh, stay. Of course, there isn't a checklist yet. It's like, how many months is it? That doesn't matter. We get stuff early all the time. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if they have a 15 <laughs> tops checklist out there somewhere. That's true. But, you know, <laughs> we want to get the most up to date, accurate information. Exactly. So there's not any checklist on Beckett.com, but sometimes they'll release a preliminary checklist. Yeah. We don't have anything like that yet. Um, but, but if we do. It will be on Beckett.com. It will be on Beckett.com. So keep your eyes on Beckett.com. Yeah. Yeah. We should we should say that more. Keep your eyes on Beckett.com because things are going to happen on Beckett.com. Things are happening. Things are happening at Beckett.com. So that's all we're going to say about that. All right. So uh, we got a couple guys in here. And Who's they're not guy? really spares. They're, they're pretty prevalent here at Beckett Media. I'm so, a spare. Yeah. Chris Olds is a spare. So Chris Olds, hey, how's it going? But it's going. <laughs> but the guy that I want to bring in here is the man, the baseball expert Gosh. here oh, at Beckham Media, Brian Fleischer. What's up, Brian? Hey, Derek. How you doing? You know, he I am wonderful. He didn't like that. He really didn't like <laughs> that. <laughs> no. 
I, I was gonna. That's go a lot of pressure. That's yeah. a lot of hype to live up to. I, I was gonna go spare with Brian, and then no, you can, no, you can be a spare. No. Let me but be a spare. But I feel like Olds would just talk about how he's the expert for thirty minutes. No, no, no. Okay, so uh, I brought you guys in here for uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, I, baseball playoffs going on. Crazy game last night. Chris Olds is upset about that one. Um, I'm still tweeting Moneyball picks. <laughs> I can't find the one where he destroys the radio. I'm going to find it. Yeah, I saw one where it's just uh, Brad Pitt sitting in the empty stadium like, yeah. oh, what yeah. happened? And the other one that I did pretty well after that was the table flip. I, I yeah. used that a few times. <laughs> yeah, so the real reason why I brought you guys in here was there's a lot of concern with uh, some things going on with tops. Bowman was released around, I guess, the earlier, what am I saying? Yeah, the beginning early, of the season. Beginning of the season, uh, yeah. And uh, Chris Bryant, big prospect. Everyone's going nuts about him. I think he's going to be a spare in the major league, but hey, that's just me. You're wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm always wrong. <laughs> but uh, he's he's the, I guess, the prospect of the year, if not if I'm not yeah, he was mistaken. the minor league player of the year, I yeah, believe. Minor baseball league America. Of pl- this minor year. League, yes. Yeah. And he was also the college player of the year, of the year last year. So yeah. he's he's pretty established. Yeah, so supposedly he's coming up to the big leagues next year and his autographs are going nuts you know selling like crazy graded stuff we're talking you know thousand fifteen hundred two grand whatever but the problem is that there's some overproduction of his autographs or there's some perceived overproduction yeah perceived and i want to get your guys's takes on that on you know people are are getting pissed uh, you know straight up they're they're getting upset and and this guy jeff huang if i'm saying his name right uh he he did a pretty good analysis piece on how tops are putting all these chris bryant autographs and they're creating a lot of questions for the consumers out there what do you got Let, let's get well chris i mean, Olds. the i think the overproduction part is relative what, what's not traditional here is the distribution method that's okay. correct um yeah. this is this the the card that's in question or of the you know that we're talking about is his 2013 bowman chrome draft auto either yes. way bowman yeah. chrome auto yeah and it was just, you know it was found in packs of 2014 where there's also a chrome auto of him so people are like which one's which you know and you know b- because he's popular it's expensive and because it's rare because it's non-traditionally released it's expensive the difference is is it's also been found in Bowman Inception Bowman uh, Platinum I Platinum. believe now in yep. Bowman Chrome so in there's Bowman, like more coming Bowman Chrome there's some the, the, the refractors are showing up yeah. in Bowman Chrome that was released last week um, we've seen a green, a gold. I think and there a was a blue. super factor that well, I saw. Well, he tweeted a picture tweeted of a su- it, of a super factor uh, un- unsigned. Unsigned, yeah. Uh, like okay. this so was it's those and other. He, and he said his tweet was like, "Oh, my first card. Oh yeah. Tops oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or something. So what you should do is check the date on that. That'll tell us how late he was in signing his cards. <laughs> yeah. Because what this comes be down to is the. Re- I mean, tops. I, I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe at the national in the collectors Q and A session, I think this came up. And Top said that this is pretty much a one-time deal. They didn't plan this. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be good marketing. Yeah, I don't believe it's degree. ever happened before with the no. Bowman Chrome autographs and, that and, I can remember. And what it was, I mean, the situation is, is that he signed them late in theory from what I've heard or something happened where they didn't make the pack out. So what are they going to do? Are they going to throw away, you know, say 5,000 Chris Bryant cards they paid for when he's this popular, this hot? Mm. Or do you figure out what to do with it? Now, I mean, personally, for me, I'd rather them put them in packs, maybe in one product, not t- five. Yeah. Maybe that's the hang-up. Um, but at the same time, I'd rather have them do it, put them in packs than, you know, give them out as redemption bonuses or something other where it's a more of a mystery of where it came from. Yeah. You know, or just have them show up on the market somewhere. That'd be kind of weird, right? Yeah. So, so 
you know, Jeff's concern is that the, the secondary market that's there because of the perceived scarcity is being killed. And, and it, it, it's it true. is. Yeah, it is. It was it was uh, I'm trying to think trying to get these numbers right. The 13 one that was released, I think, for the first time in Bowman Platinum, maybe it first started showing up. I'm not even sure. The 13 Bowman Chrome. Um, it was nine. six, eight, nine hundred dollar yeah. card. Now it's about a four hundred dollar card. Two to four hundred. You can get it online in the two fifty, yeah. three fifty range. Yeah. Um, it it's starting to hurt the fourteen card as yeah. more of them come out. And now that we're learning that, um, it's coming out in Bowman Chrome that was just released yep. last week as well. Um, I'm sure that's going to kind of affect the value uh, negatively. Well, that's um, the thing is people had a notion that there was only so much out there. Like like when Bowman, whatever, pick a brand. When that brand's wax is gone, so are the cards in it. And so in this case, you know, as more products come and these cards are showing up in them, the, 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 the funny part about this is, not to ramble, but it's kind of a, another point that I thought of, is he only signed X amount of cards no matter what. We don't know that number, but he's not still signing them right now, mm-hmm. right? So he signed, say he signed 5,000. I think that's high, but Well, go ahead. for the yeah. total product. Yeah. So, so say he signed that many. There's still that many that exist, but the difference is, is more and more are becoming available. So like, you know, my, my logic on this would be like, okay, what happens tomorrow when some freakish warehouse find there's a bunch of 52 tops wax that shows up? Say just somebody stashed a thousand cases or something stupid. Does the Mickey Mantle card suddenly become less amazing because there's more of them or does that do those copies that are now available get picked up by people who want them yeah i mean i i think it, it, it's totally different because it's so valuable and it's been so long with that right. card you if know, this was a bomb people are going to go crazy for those right and they'll right. sell through the roof right with the with chris bryant it would, it would just tank well but but the difference is here too is there's a perception that it's a problem because he's popular and mm-hmm. it's expensive and yeah. I, I get people's concerns about that but if this was a, a common player that nobody cared about then they wouldn't care would they no yeah so i mean that you know that's what kind of makes it a weird unique situation but kind of you know it's something just we have to deal with yeah now there there has been talks and, and jeff said something uh in his story that bowman chrome 2012 there were three different sets of you darvish rookie card autos now I don't know if you guys there I'm was kind a, of probably Bowman there was Chrome Bowman, Bowman Chrome draft. Bowman Chrome draft. Um, yeah, they're they're technically different cards. They're though. technically different cards. I yeah. believe there's different images too. Yep. Now yeah, his question is what's to stop the company from printing three sets of 2014 Bowman Chrome Chris Bryant prospect autographs? They probably will. He'll probably I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll be probably in be in Bowman draft. Yeah, he but might be in Bowman Chrome as a regular card. Is he? I don't. I know. don't believe so. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, and it's yeah. happened before. Yeah. It's th- that that's the thing. It's like this. This isn't necessarily a new scenario. It just hasn't happened with one card that's a year old being. Put yeah, out the issue. Times. I think the real issue is is that is the distribution of it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, traditionally the 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 Bowman. Chrome Chris Bryant would have been released all in Bowman. Yeah. Well, like Chris said, you know, maybe he didn't sign all of them and didn't get them. He didn't get all of them back, so they wanted to put some in. But and now they're just releasing the re- the rest in Bowman. Or I'm sorry, they're re- it's releasing the rest move. in Bowman Chrome. Don't get me wrong. To um, I agree with Chris that you don't want to destroy the 13 cards that that something happened. They got lost in the mail. He got to them late. Whatever. Um, it is a little confusing for collectors. We try to make it clear in the price guide. We note that each one of those cards was released in various 2014 tops products. 
um, but it is cataloged with the 13. They look like 13 cards. I believe they have the 13 copyright on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they look like that belong to that set, but we make it very clear, at least we try to, that they were released in various 2014 Tops products. Um, I don't know. I think it's just hurting the value of the card that more and more start trickling out. And I guess Tops will have a few more products before the end of the year um bowman sterling might see some more of these chris bryant cards <laughs> or maybe this is it maybe they maybe, maybe it they is it yeah them all in there was there was <laughs> something on twitter chris chris bryant tweeted we don't not sure exactly when but it was an unsigned version of his super fractor autograph from 13 um you know thanking tops for his first professional card so you know he he may have had these cards for six months and then signed them and got them back to tops and it was too late to put into 13 it was too late to put in 13 draft so they just started putting them in 14 products um i think it's better to be in packs than it is to be like chris said just some random redemption fulfillment they couldn't fulfill something else Well, people would be happy if it was a redemption fulfillment they'd be happy at first until they realize everybody else got one too well yeah that's true you can't (laughs) win if you're tops right yeah you really can't now what's the deal with having that first bowman logo at the top right corner Uh, of that card i i don't i don't i wouldn't put too much stock into that it just doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I don't think people really pay attention to that. I think it's a marketing device. Yeah. I mean, it's factual. Typically, it's the first card. It's not always. The 14 card has it, 13 doesn't. But keep in mind that in 2013, they didn't use the logo at all. Mm-hmm. So that technically, had it, you know, had it been ready for packs, it you know, wouldn't have had it even if it, you know, if it was a live card. Yeah. Yeah, sure. worrying about logos on cards is is, they messed is them dangerous. Up they've I mean, they've messed well, they've messed them up. They've put um, in two thousand one, I believe it was uh, Alfonso Soriano had cards. I believe it was in like Don Russ or Don Russell Lee that had two thousand one rookie card or something on, yeah. the, and he had ninety nine rookies from Tops. Oh yeah. Now they've got the rookie logo card on guys who technically had rookie cards. You know, three, four, five years ago. So yeah, it's the same thing. They're both it, marketing devices. Yeah, it can be dangerous to. Oh, this card says rookie card, so it must be a rookie card because yeah. that rookie card logo is on printing plates. It's on you know stuff given away at stadiums. It's it's put on a lot of different yeah different things. So when a guy has a first Bowman card, which one's first? The regular card, the parallel, the printing <laughs> exactly. plate, or the autograph? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, I like you said, it, it might not be a big story, but it is affecting people out there. You yeah. know. So it, it, it kind of is a story. But I, I just wanted to get y'all's opinions about that because, you know, we are Becky Media. We, we do price things, you know. And, and like you said, the price of one of his cards dropped tremendously. Yeah, yeah, it has, it has dropped since it, since it first came out. And, and it was really, I want to say it was something like when those first 13s were discovered or started coming yeah. out of, I believe, again, Bowman Platinum packs um it was i want to say initially like seven to nine hundred something like that pricey and now it's uh, like i said i i just lowered it so i believe it's two to four i mean another another similar example of this and i don't know if it's happened i don't think it's happened like this but like aflac cards for example they sign a ton and then they put them out sometimes they're most of the time more recently they're numbered Mm -hmm. i don't think they've ever gone back and put out more aflacs of the same guy I mean, but they probably could because some of those cards are really low numbered out of like a couple hundred copies. And I'm sure those kids sign more than that. Not saying there's anything coming, you know, but I mean, we could see stuff like this again, probably. But the reality is, is I don't think they want to. And so the reactions are are rational. But at the same time, it's, you know, again, it's it's kind of if you don't have a serial number on the card, you don't know how many there are anyway. Yeah, Yeah. I I think this is an anomaly and not a trend or a sign of 
the way things are changing or, or you know, any in, a new tops approach to releasing autograph card. I don't think it's anything like that. I just if think so, it's, a, it's kind of an anomaly. I need a 51 tops mantle rookie <laughs> card. If anybody's listening, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll dig one up for yeah, you. They can just whip yeah. one get up it and right here. Put yeah. it in heritage next year. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, <laughs> if you guys don't have anything else to add, uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just an interesting point. In- interesting story. See what, what, take you guys have on this and you know it's affecting a lot of people like i said and hopefully like you said brian it's an anomaly and it's it is what it is you know so we'll see what happens well thanks guys we appreciate it all right and next up we have a special interview all the way from canada first we have our beckett hockey editor Stephen laroche on the phone Stephen, how's it going it's going well, you know, keeping busy with uh, getting the new issues of basketball and hockey prepared, as well as a special issue we're doing on hockey's impact rookies that should be ready, ready in time for the Toronto Fall Expo. Cool. Well, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the Toronto Fall Expo here in the next coming weeks. We're going to have you on as well as Kevin Isaacson uh, here with Beckett Media and, and just to talk all about that. But uh, we have another guest on the phone, and he's also calling from Canada, and he, he works for Sportsnet, and he has a book out that's called Hockey Card Stories, True Tales from 59 of Your Favorite Players. Mr. Ken Reed. Ken, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks so very much for having me. You know, I just want to say, and we talked uh, just a little bit earlier about this, but your book is great. Um, we're all collectors at heart, obviously, and I just sat down to just try and skim a couple pages of the book, and I just kept reading and reading. It's that great of a book. So I just want to say congratulations on the release, and uh, what can you really tell us about how you got started with this book? Yeah, first off, thanks. That, that means a lot coming from somebody who's, uh, who's a major part of the hobby and who knows the hobby. But uh, yeah, so how I got started on the book was I had this idea for, for quite a few years, to be honest. And, um, you know, as I, got, I, I was a big collector in the 80s and the 90s. And as I got older, I'd look at the cards from the 70s and 80s and they'd start just to look a little different. And there'd be things that pop up that I didn't really notice as a kid, like, uh, how come that guy's uniform looks like it's painted in crayon? And <laughs> wow, that guy has a really big mustache. And that guy isn't even that guy on the card. And I always would look at these old cards and think, man, there's some great stories behind those cards. But, and you know, then as the internet became popular, and I'm, I'm dating myself here, and the blogs would start to pop up, and the odd blog would say, hey, look at this old card. And there's a lot of great blogs on the internet about, uh, about old cards, but not a lot talk to the players on the card. Uh, so I thought, well, I'd like to get the story of the card from the actual guy on the card and see what he thinks about it or if he even knows about it. So I was hired by Sportsnet a little over three years ago. It's a national network here in Canada, and I was working weekends, and I had a lot of time on my hands because I was only working three days a week. And I thought, well, I'm working for a national network now. Maybe someone may want to be interested in this, this little book idea I have. So I called a literary agent, and he said, yeah, this is a cool idea, actually talking to 59 players about their old cards. Let's do a book. So I said, okay. So he got me a book deal. And uh, I said, okay, I got to write a book. So the first player I called was Joe Daly. He used to play for the Winnipeg Jets during uh, the WHA days. And I knew Joe would know about his card because Joe runs a sports card store in Winnipeg, Joe Daly Sports Card. Great shop if you're ever in Winnipeg. Mm. And uh, so I talked to Joe about it and wrote up a little story. And then I thought, well, I'll, I'm just going to keep going. So I have some cards in there that are near and dear to my heart, some cards that are definitely shoved in people's commons boxes, some <laughs> cards that a lot of people will know about, like the Larmer Ludwig. That's, you know, every, every hockey card aficionado knows about the Larmer Ludwig 83, 84 mix-up. And, 
you know, Rogi Vashon 71-72, where they pasted his head on Ross Lonsbury's body. So instead of, you know, just kind of looking at it and getting a chuckle or thinking this is a neat card, I thought, I actually want to talk to the guys that are on these cards. So voila, three years later, here we are. I got a book out. That, that's crazy. Now, you said you have some cards near and dear to your heart. What, what's kind of your most memorable hockey card in your collection today? Um, I know it's cliche to say, but for a guy of my era, it's my Gretzky rookie. And oh, yeah. The way it came about, I mean, I didn't have a Gretzky rookie per se ripped out of a pack, although I ripped open a fair share of 79-80 packs as a little guy, I'm sure. <laughs> I have a bunch of them around, but I didn't have a Gretzky rookie. So uh, before the boom, I'd like to say, my mom came back from an auction where she bought a box of cards for 10 bucks, and my brother and I looked at them, and we said, oh, the blue ones, that's the Gretzky rookie, because we were kind of into the cards before the boom took off, which which was good because it, it made for, uh, you know, profitable days because we used to set up and deal cards. But anyway, we we looked through this uh, box of cards and halfway through was a Gretzky rookie. Now, it's by no means in mint shape. It's got a little mark on the front. A couple corners are dinged, but it's our Gretzky rookie. And to this day, my brother and I, as we're getting approaching middle age, we still split custody of this card. So we still have our, our Gretzky rookie that we... We still have and cherish, and it's probably not worth much because it's not in the best now. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And uh, let, let's talk about vintage OPG cards and the importance that it has on the hawking collecti- uh, collecting world. Can you give us a little, I guess, uh, insight on that product per se? Yeah, for me, they're just little time capsules that, that take you back to a certain era. They're, they're little pieces of living history. And I think Bernie Federico actually said that in my book, uh, former St. Louis Blue Hockey Hall of Famer. He said, it's great that people still collect and that, you know, they, these, they're these little links to history because they tell stories. They tell, you know, back in the day there was no internet. If you wanted to know a player's stats, you looked at his hockey card. If you wanted to know facts about a hockey card, like Pat Hickey drives a big Jeep. Well, you found that out on the back of his 77. And I just think they're great little uh, reminders of kind of how innocent the game was then too. The game is a, it's a $4 billion industry now. It's a much bigger bigger game, or $2 billion industry. I don't even know the exact number, but it's yeah. a much bigger game now. Yeah. The cards are fancier now. The cards then were a lot more uh, simple, a lot more innocent. I think the game was a little more innocent back then. And, you know, I think, to me, there's no such thing as a common card, and I wanted that to come through in the book. I, You know, I have Hall of Famers in there, like Bobby Orr and Denny Potvin, but I have great stories from a guy like Craig Fisher, who played 12 games for the Philadelphia Flyers, or... Bill Armstrong, who played one game for Philly, or Chuck Luxo, who played eight games for Hartford. So, to me, there's a story on every card, and I think if you dig through an old box of vintage OPG, next time you're at a show, just instead of just whipping through it, just kind of flip it over, look at the back, read the little bio, look at the front, and there's there's interesting stories on each card. Now, uh, Stephen, let's let's bring you in here and, and kind of give us your little input on the impact that the vintage OPG cards has on the hockey hobby. Well, it's funny. With, with Vintage OPG, in Canada, we started printing them in, in the 1960-61 season. Prior, prior to that, the Topps cards had been printed in uh, from 1954-55 onward. Now, what had happened in the collector, the 60-61 to 67-68 sets are actually called top sets, even though they were printed in Canada by OPG. Yeah. Now, the first OPG set that that blew up, in a sense, was the 68-69 set. Now, and of course, this, is, this should also be prefaced by the fact that in the 1930s and in the early 1940s, Opeechee did produce trading cards here okay. in Canada okay. w- with featuring hockey players. 
But the 68-69 set is where it, it kind of started to explode in a lot of ways. You had That was the first set with teams from the first expansion, from 67-68. So we had all, all these new teams on, on the cards. And it, it's just kept becoming bigger and bigger part of a Canadian culture. You know, I, you I, I completely yeah. agree with that. And, and, you know, it's it's just crazy that these cards still um, have so much tradition. And, you know, you sit down with, with hardcore collectors or, or hardcore uh, hobbyists in the in the hockey world like like you two are, and, and I can just tell that OPG brings out the best of people, if, if that makes sense in a way. I mean, it, it just brings back, uh, I guess, to the very beginning of your collecting experiences. And, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the book, The Hockey Card Stories, uh, True Tales from Favorite Players. We got this Terry Rakowski card when he played with the Arrows, and it was an interesting story on how he talked about, I guess you said, Ken, with the background, how it looked like a disco ball type uh, looking yeah. atmosphere. Or, or, and he was like, no, it was just a wall or something like that at our practice facility. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but yeah. something crazy like that, you know, is just funny, really. Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of the 79-80 cards, there's this wall on the back. And I <laughs> thought OPG must have been hauling around some disco curtain because I know they used to haul around that blue background in the mid-70s that you'd see on, like, Steve Shett's rookie card. Yeah. So I always thought, what the heck is this background on these cards? Like, it's so 70s. It's quintessential 70s. They've captured the moment. You know, they've nope. they've done it. So I, <laughs> yeah. I talked to Terry Roskowski, and I go, I have a question. What is this background? Is it a curtain? He said, no, it's the wall outside the Houston Arrows practice facility in the old WHA days. He said, just the camera light would hit it. It would bounce back, and that was what was captured. But when you look at his card, because they used the same picture on one of his WHA cards as they did on his 7980, yeah. it looks like some kind of Johnny Carson Tonight Show curtain <laughs> that they designed specifically for the hockey cards. Yeah. But it turns out, lo and behold, it's just a wall. And I just love that. I, for me, it was, wow, mystery solved and very anticlimactic. You know, I thought I was onto some big thing. It was like when I called Bobby Smith and his 8384 He's with the North Stars, and it has the old Now with Montreal on it. For me, that was such a huge part of my childhood because the Canadians tra- traded for, for Bobby Smith. You know, I was, I'm from Nova Scotia. Bobby Smith was born in North Sydney, Nova Scotia. And wow, Bobby Smith's on the Habs. And look at how, what a great guy Bobby Smith is on this card. He's got his hand over his heart, and he's listening to the national anthem. So I called him to talk about this card, and I said, wow, you're listening to the anthem. And I always thought that was so cool. He goes, I'm not listening to the anthem. I'm adjusting my shoulder pads. I'm like, what? <laughs> He goes, well, look at the lady behind me. She's sitting down. I thought, man, that's a great point. She is sitting down. I hear I thought you were this big patriotic guy. He's like, no, nah, just adjusting my shoulder pad. So then, and then I talked to Mark Lofthouse, who uh, was a great scorer in the American League. He had one card, 80-81 OPG, with the Washington Capitals. And he said, it's the same deal. He goes, everyone thinks I'm listening to the National Anthem. I was just adjusting my shoulder pad. He goes, these shoulder pads in the 80s, they were so uncomfortable. Guys were always ripping them during breaks in the play. So he had the same thing where where guys would say, oh, you're listening to the National Anthem, he'd say no. And, and there's another great card, Kelly Rudy's 86-87 OPG. He's got the man perm, he's got the headband, and he's got gloves, golf gloves on each hand. And I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's so 80s, the golf gloves on each hand. It's such a style thing. He goes, it wasn't a style thing. It was to prevent this thing that was going around hockey called the gunk. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows what the gunk was. turns out the gunk was some sort of big rash that went around hockey. No one knows how it got in. But it got in the gear. Maybe it was the detergent they used, and guys' skin would go under this big rash. So it turns out what I thought was for style was to protect from the gunk. What I thought was out of patriotism 
was because the guy's shoulder pads bugged him. So there's all these little questions that, that get answered with this book, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, now, that... Another thing we, we should bring up about the, the Yopichi sets mm. is that Topps always produced their version first. Uh, so it hit the American market first, and Yopichi expanded the set, usually by about 132. It would also note trades. And it would say now with Montreal or free agent or something like that, and that's one of those quirky things that makes OPG cards so great. Yeah, you know yeah. that that's it great. Is. And and the other part is you know just just the funny. I just I don't know, guys. It's the funny side of things. I'm a I'm a comedy person, and so Ken, when when you said with the fight strap and and all that stuff, that that just that makes the 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 athletes just human and you can relate to them because a lot of people and you had another story and i think it was from from the same guy with terry uh, he talked about how he met uh, gordy howe and how he was just in awe and he was just like hey what's up you know i'm gordy howe pretty much and he was just like i've watched yeah. you and idolized you forever and he's just a guy you know playing hockey just having fun you know Absolutely, yeah. Um, Terry met Gordy Howe at a Houston hotel in the elevator. So Terry and this other rookie are going up to an Arrows function, and the elevator stops, and Gordy Howe walks in, and Gordy says, "Hi, I'm Gordy Howe." And Terry basically says, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> and he said he was freaked out because here's a guy whose hockey cards that he collected growing up. Exactly. And and now he's playing with them. But you're right; they're just human. All these guys are just human. And the other thing I I got from this book was talking to these guys was getting a hockey card. It was such a special thing to them. It kind of legitimized that, yeah, they're in the National Hockey League. And, and Stephen, I know you, you pointed out, we talked about the book, you were big into the Dave Reed chapter. Now, Dave Reed was a guy who was drafted by the Bruins in around 82 and played for the Leafs, and he was a massive hockey card collector. All through his career, he'd collect cards, he'd go to Leafs training camp, he'd be ripping open packs of 85, 86, and he didn't get a card till 1990. Um, and Dave was just, you know, every year he'd be like, man, when am I going to get a card? Come on, come on, come on. And in his office to this day, he still has a picture of his, he still has a copy of his 1990 Opeachy. And you guys were talking about how important Opeachy is to Canada and to Canadian kids who grew up. And Dave was the same thing. I mean, the years his rookie card came out, there was an, he had an upper deck, he had a pro set, he had a score. But for him, the legit card was getting that Opeachy because, you know, just that... That smell of the gum, that thrill of ripping open the pack, he was he was now part of it. So there's a lot of special stories in there about how hockey cards for these players really legitimized the fact that they were in the National Hockey League. And then there's a couple other guys who were kind of just like, yeah, whatever, I had a card, so each his own. Yeah, exactly. Let's, uh, let's finish it off here and get your point or get your take on the future of the hobby uh, with hockey. You know, Upper Deck just got the, I guess, exclusive agreement. What do you think is the uh, the future for hockey cards? And are, do you think there's going to be some sort of uh, vintage, I, I guess, vintage overload or uh, kind of a, a, a tradition? Hey, let, let's go back in the past and bring all these sets back. I know, you know, they're, they're doing Fleer Retro and, and OPG is obviously a big deal. But what, what do you think about the future of the hobby as far as hockey goes? I think that uh, Upper Deck, of course, caters to the modern collector. But once in a while, they do produce a set that has a retro feel and that will really resonate with vintage collectors. Yeah. Uh, people collect the OP, their, their version of the Opeachy set every year uh, because that's what they've done since they were kids. Uh, and also, what's great about Opeachy is that it carries on from generation to generation. You're seeing a lot of dads and moms taking their kids to the store, buying them a pack of cards, and it's usually Opeachy. 
I was just at the uh, the NHLPA rookie showcase, and speaking with some of the kids who were getting pictures taken for their first cards and that sort of thing, and some of them were genuinely excited about the process because they had collected themselves as kids. I think you're always going to have that that sense of wonder and that sense of excitement from the players, and I, I don't think that's ever going to stop. Ken, what do you think? Yeah, I think... Well, I think the future of the hobby, I think it's, it's there's going to be a little bounce back. And I know Stephen, you and I were talking about this the other day, too. Is guys that are around in the late 30s, early 40s that get a little discretionary income now, and, you know, they're going to get a, a whiff of their childhood again. And I think they're going to come back to the hobbies because, I mean, geez, everybody might collect it circa 1990. So I think that's going to happen. And I think you might see a revival and, you know, guys stacking up on 70s and 80s cards again. And, yeah, if, if they can find a way to, to get it in the hands of kids and make it very affordable... I know there's no such thing as a 25-cent pack again. Nothing's 25-cent yeah, anymore. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. But I think if you can, you know, the world's changing, video games and whatnot. But I think there's something just very innocent about collecting cards. And, I mean, my little guy, he's almost two. And he saw me going, I had the bind, a binder of all the cards that are in my book. And he started going through that. And he was just into it, into it. And he just laughed. And I took the binder away. And he's, no, no, no. So I thought, Jesus. Tony Esposito rookie in here. There's a nice Bobby R. I can't have him handling these. So I ran up to my room and just got him a handful of 91, 92 Pro sets. I threw them at him, and he's been playing with them ever since. So who knows? As long as you can just put – I think that's important, too. You know, there's so much junk wax, and we've got all these old cards that we don't think are worth anything, and they might not be worth anything. But just chuck them in the hands of a kid, and, and who knows? They might get a kick out of them. One in, not every kid's going to get a kick out of them, but maybe that one in ten will, and, and he'll get hooked on a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, hockey card stories, true talks from your favorite players is on sale now. You can get it everywhere, uh, especially at Amazon.com. And Ken, you have Twitter at SN Ken Reed. You post a lot of great stuff on there. I just want to say thank you so much for taking uh, a few minutes of your time to come on to the radio show today. And whenever you want to come back on and talk a little hockey, we'll get you and, and Steven on and, and we'll just have a little fun. Guys, I thank you so much. As I said to Stephen, we were talking the other day. It's an honor to talk to everybody from Beckett. Brings me back to my youth when I was very jealous of Tommy Wheatley, who was a young guy I got to write a column every month. So uh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. And I know you're going to talk about the Toronto Expo for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm usually at everyone. So if you see me at the Toronto Expo this November, please uh, come up and chat. And uh, I may have a book to sell you. Who knows? But uh, thank you very much for having me, guys. I really, really appreciate it. All right, I just want to wrap things up here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Beckett Radio. I had a blast this week, and I hope you had fun listening as well. Special thanks goes out to Brian Fleischer for doing a double dip with the inside new releases and news around the hobby, as well as Chris Olds. I think that was a great topic to talk about, and hopefully we can have them on again talking about baseball with the playoffs going on. I mean, last, uh, when was it, Tuesday? That was a crazy game with the A's and Royals and you know the Giants and Pittsburgh you know the Giants are are near and dear to my heart that's going to be a tough game we're we're taping it on Wednesday so uh, unfortunately by the time you hear this I will either be drowning my sorrows uh, in something or I will be elated with joy so you can probably check out our Twitter page uh, Beckett Radio and, and see my frustrations and or celebrations with that uh, baseball, this is the best time of the year. Let's get your takes on on who you think is going to be going far deep into the playoffs. 
You think it's going to be the, be the Nationals with their hot stars, Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, uh, Anthony Rendon. Do you think it's the Pirates? You know, they, they kind of surprised everyone last year, came into the playoffs. This year, they're in the wild card. Do you think it's the Giants? I mean, the Cardinals, the Angels, the Royals. I mean, let, let's hear your side. And shoot us an email, radio at Beckett.com. Love to talk to you all, as well as Twitter, at Beckett Radio is our Twitter handle. Uh, special thanks to Ken Reed of Sportsnet up in Canada. His Twitter handle is at SNKenReed. You can get his book, Hockey Card Stories, True Tales from Your Favorite Players. That's on sale now. It's Amazon.com. You can check it out online. Maybe your local bookstore might have it. You never know. It's a great book. Got some really cool images from old school hockey cards. And he, he just does a fantastic job throughout the whole book of just making it a great story. He has a lot of great interviews, uh, like we talked about with one of the players he, who met Gordie Howe. And, and the first moment that that happened was so surreal for him. It was just a great little story. And there's plenty of that in this book uh, called Hockey Card Stories, True Tales from your favorite player. So get that right now. Great book. And he, he's just a great guy. So we're going to have him on again. Special thanks to Stephen LaRoche for setting this whole thing up with him. We're definitely going to talk about more hockey as the season progresses. We are now in preseason. Unfortunately, the Sharks, they're, they're looking a little rough. I'm not going to lie. But uh, hopefully they, they bounce back, have a little fun, and, and, and become successful like we all know they will. Uh, as far as football goes, you know, I think it's in week five, week six. I don't know. Maybe week four. But uh, I, who's counting? I'm just glad football's back. Jamal Charles went off for three touchdowns. Maybe his pricing will go up. You never know. I might bring in Justin Gruner, our football analyst, as well as Dan Hit on next week to talk about some games that went down uh, this next weekend here, uh, the first weekend of October. So we'll have a little in-depth football coverage to give you guys. And yeah, just have a little fun with that. Well, that I guess about wraps it up for me here at Beckett Radio. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, I'm your host, Eric Ficken. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Thank you.